This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. Alex Carell is one of over 70,000 Google Career Certificate graduates. The Google Career Certificate program completely changed the trajectory of my life. I've always been interested in computers, but I never thought I could turn this into a career. Anytime I got a little break, I'd just pop open the course on my phone. That allowed me to have that path into a career that I'm passionate about. Train online for in-demand jobs in IT, UX design, data analytics, project management, and more. Visit grow.google slash certificates. Good morning! Honey, how are you going? <laughs> What's up? I haven't got morning in a while. I was thinking, the second you said it, I was like, dang, it's not afternoon or evening today. So today we have myself, Landon, Zach, regular, uh-huh. Cliff. We have a special guest, Megan. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. That's, That's the first yeehaw one. we've gotten. You should open with yeehaw now. Let's restart. Don't give him ideas. Let's do a restart. Come on. Yeah, push push the button. Come on. Come on. No, no, push the button. Push the button. I got to hear this. All right, but do it quick. All right, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. How's it going? (laughs) This is about Landon's request. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah! (laughs) I'm glad I had the throttle on that one. That's going to... That it's not going to be hurt. fun for some people's mornings. I think you should open with that. I disagree. I think we still do good mornings. <laughs> <laughs> we one. should put it up to a vote. Put both, Evan, put both of them in. Okay. And then we'll place a story. Uh-huh. Do you like the yeehaw or the good mornings? Uh-huh. And then we'll let the people decide. Yeah. I just don't want to be too loud because that, that's, that's a lot of high. You know, I can get high with good mornings, you too. You can. You can, but I can throw out that one a little bit easier. <laughs> I feel like you're just taking the lazy way out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Megan, would you give a little teaser about what you do? And I sling dogs. You sling Sling dogs. dogs. (laughs) (laughs) No, I started an organization called Field to Family Dogs, and we specialize in rehoming dogs from commercial hunting lodges. We sometimes use the word retired dogs, but that can mean a number of things and not, uh, it, it, all these dogs aren't necessarily old and decrepit and about to croak or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we guess it's better than recycled dogs. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a new one. I might have to work that one into our copy. That's good. But so rumor, the rumor mill, 
that oh, we were talking early, earlier is that there's a dog that you have right now that is earmarked for Ian, and he does not currently know that? Oh, yes. Yes, Percy. Gorgeous, gorgeous liver, GSP, will hunt, will swim, will retreat. He'll do everything. How old is he? F- uh, five to six years old. Okay. I think. Really good age for GSP. Yeah. Um, all trained up, everything. I hear zero excuses for Ian. In fact, he's still on point. He's just waiting for just waiting for Ian. You so. have a photo of Ian set up, and he's just pointing at it, right? He's just pointing. Yeah. yeah. Just getting ready for that yeah. day when they finally meet. Yeah. yeah. So, Ian, I mean, you're not on the podcast anymore, but <laughs> we got the hookup for you. We're just going to drop him off. We're just going to drop him off. This is like speed dating. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. Well, somebody yeah. has speed to dating take if it and take If your control. friends picked your, uh, your mate. Yeah. Your partner. That's right. Well, I guess we have to take control of the situation because he's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, Ian, look out for your new dog, Percy. Ian. <laughs> Megan's going to drop him off. and On Monday. On Monday. There you go. Monday. All right. Is that Monday after this podcast or like just Monday? Monday before. Just, just Monday. Just Monday. Let's just leave it at Monday. <laughs> I know he works from home, so he'll be home. <laughs> he'll be there. Just go <laughs> drop him off. I'll send you his address. I'm going to drop it there. off on the porch that isn't finished yet. <laughs> oh, that's, that's in the back. That's so in the he'll back, be yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> and he has two doors, so like the dog would have no issue going outside. Yeah. There really isn't an issue because he has a door downstairs right. that goes to the backyard and he has a door upstairs that goes that off he's to he's building the, the deck. Yeah. 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 He's got no excuses. Yeah. He just keeps saying, I'm getting the dog. I'm getting a dog. And it's like, when? Yeah. Yeah. So Ian, yeah, you're to getting him. a dog now. Hear a lot of complaining, but not much Heard in the way of first, results. Ian. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> we have a dog joined that joined us today. You do. Yeah, Cecilia. She is my English cocker. One, well, one of them. One of the many. And she's actually sibling or littermate to Landon's Gimli. Do you talk about Gimli ever? Not really. I've never heard you talk about Gimli on here. He has a post on our, like a profile on the website. I'm yeah, sure. Gimli has his own profile on the website. Oh. His yeah, title the, okay. is uh, all the dogs Belly dogs Scratch too. Enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is Gimli's, um, well, Belly Scratch Enthusiast's sister. Yep. Cece. And she was the only black one of the litter. And she's just, she's just chilling. Just hanging out, trying yeah, to steal w- Hatch's food. I wish uh, Gimli was here. Unfortunately, our house is being worked on, and uh, we had some water problems, and uh, he's staying with some family right now. But to be honest, he doesn't even miss me. They have a pool. Oh, uh, yeah. So he's not even thought about uh, you. No, no, he hasn't even thought about thought about us. Let's just be honest. He's just like, I know how that goes. Who are those other people? <laughs> yeah. She spends. It's like going to grand. Six you know, did you guys did you guys go to grandparents' house for like the summer? Because I never did been to up. my That's grandparents' what she house. Does. Yeah, so they, they never have a pool. Yeah, <laughs> no. we weren't wealthy. <laughs> well, Cece, not even an everybody above always ground. says doesn't doesn't Cece spend like eight months of the year with your parents and say yeah. Well, yeah, then she was bit, but um, yeah, she she spends. A ridiculous amount of time at Mimi and Papa's house, <laughs> and loves every second of it. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that's I have to take her with me places now because she's um, she's not allowed to go there right now because we get bit by snakes, right, Cece? <laughs> yeah, right. 
So that's a little teaser for our conversation <laughs> later. Yeah. Maggie's going to tell us how Field to Family Dogs got started and how she built up relationships with the places that she's getting recycled. <laughs> recycled, recycled dogs. Recycled dogs. We'll go with that. We'll go with it. And uh, so anyway, Zach brought our whiskey today. Yeah, we're drinking Eagle Rare. Actually, Gabe donated it. Gabe donated it. It's okay. Great. Yeah. Gabe. So, right. More if you it's want. It's so, so great that my glass is empty. No, you can definitely pour some more. Yeah. That's oh, there. I will. I will. Thank it you. Is, I've had it before. Yeah, you both have had it before. I've never had it. And that's why I was like super yeah. excited. For the price value right. of this bottle is probably one of the best that we've had on the podcast. I would agree. I don't know. That mezcal was pretty freaking good. <laughs> the so, mezcal was. So smoky. Well, when oh, it was I in a ranch it. water, it lasted. In the ranch water was great. It was a full bottle, and it lasted two podcasts. That's true. But there were some heavy pours that first week. Well, there was a, some heavy pours last week. That's true. Anyway, but so, Zach, Eagle tell Rare. us about Eagle Rare. I actually don't know a lot about it. Uh, it's, it's, about, it's, it's, it's about a 30 to $40 bottle. It's super coveted. Like everyone, It's very hard to find. Yes. Yeah. You're holding it as if it is very hard to find. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Have y'all seen, seen the way he's holding it? It's like, ooh. Have y'all seen the, uh, <laughs> what, what is it, uh, overhyped whiskey reviews on Instagram? No. Like this dude takes whiskeys that people are like, oh, it's so good, and da-da-da-da-da, and then just tears them down mm. as an actual review, like, of how bad he thinks they are. Uh-huh. Have we, it's pretty hilarious. Speaking of other Instagram accounts that we found interesting lately, did have we talked about the, uh, the off-road, off-road lawnmowers on podcast yet? No. I don't know. Yeah, so Cliff, explain off-road lawnmowers. I to found Megan. a legitimate Instagram page that is solely dedicated to people modifying their lawnmowers to be off-road worthy. I've seen racing lawnmowers. Yeah, because I've, I've seen, seen that. lawnmowers turned into, like, miniature tractors. Mm-hmm. I've seen lawnmowers mm-hmm. turned into, like, go-karts. Yep. But these, they are legitimately Lifted. putting lifts on them. Off-road Bigger tires. tires, tuning them, and all this other stuff. And these people are taking them through legitimate, like, waterways and all this other stuff, like, mudding on lawnmowers. And it is great. It's based out of Canada, I believe. How much do they run? Uh, you, they don't buy. You it's don't the sell them. You it's have like a derby, it's like a derby yeah. car. Yeah, oh, you got like to earn it's it. It's a DIY. Yeah, yeah. you got to <laughs> earn it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Uh, well, I know what my weekend project is. <laughs> it is it really entertaining, actually. That is fantastic. That might, did you guys ever go to tractor pools as kids? Yes. Yeah. No. Did you? No, I never. I've never even to, heard of. That. I grew up going to the rattlesnake roundup. No, they're they're rattlesnake. great. They are. They just put in two tractors. Bogs. I grew up in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah. ever go to mud bogs and all that too? Uh, I did. And then there was a four-wheel jamboree that was out near Fredericksburg when I was a kid that we used to go to as well. They had that. They had like rock crawling competitions and like. I've never gone to a rock crawler, but. It was, it was state. Like they built the rocks and then they like people would go over them and stuff. But. Did you ever go to a monster truck show? I did. All the time. Yeah. I never, I've never been to one. I'd go. I love Austin. Austin doesn't have Unless it was in the Irwin Center. I never saw it. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, derby? Demolition Derby? Never been to a true Demolition Derby. I've been derby. to a couple. They're fun. They're probably mm. the most fun out of all of those things. But tractor pulls are cool, too. They put two big tractors. They tie, like, a chain between them, and they just see which one will pull the other one. Yeah. 
Oh, that's legit. So the rock stacking thing. Rock crawling? No, no. Oh, the Cairns. Cairns. The Cairns. Yep. Megan, have you heard about this? Rock stacking. Like the Cairns stacks? The Cairns stacks. Okay. So, yeah, let's get... Because the Wall Street Journal just wrote an article about it. I did see that. The Wall Street Journal... Yes, the Wall Street Journal wrote an article about it. So we call them rock fairies. The rock fairies. Rock fairies? Like the people who make them? Uh-huh. <laughs> rock fairy. I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. I hope we are. Like no, it's like where when you go hiking and you see like yes, a like a, rock a tower of rock. Yeah, uh, We call them rock fairies. I like it. I, I Do don't you know, know that there's drama going on yeah, around it right well, now? Well, I didn't know there is currently drama, but I have been, well, I have not been personally the victim of <laughs> shaming related to this, <laughs> <laughs> this but... Um, somebody very close to me has. Were you and with it was this a person? Whole thing. I was with them. <laughs> I was much okay, farther okay. downstream. Okay, okay. Let's let t- tell us. Walk us through the story. <laughs> okay, so I'm not naming names here, but basically, what happened was said person, <laughs> very good friend of mine, takes spill in river. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get <laughs> trying to get toys for the doll. Okay, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, is that my baby? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, she'll take it. Um, there we go. T- um, anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, so, so Karen's stacking. So I'm much further down the river. Said person I'm with is upstream. Takes a spill. Water in the waders. Has to take the waders off. Let them dry out. Meanwhile, I know none of this is happening. Mm-hmm. She's trying to keep herself occupied. So she's stacking rocks. Rock fairy. While she's waiting up. for her waiters to dry out. Correct. She's, rock fairy arrives. Okay, watching the rock fairy. Yes, and ro- uh, suddenly it's like you know, there's money under your pillow when you lose a tooth. <laughs> it just happens. And there's <laughs> rock stacks. <laughs> and anyway. Pictures were taken. Pictures were posted on Instagram. She was shamed by somebody for making for for maybe being the rock fairy. <laughs> so a lot of assumptions happened. There were a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of ifs there. Anyway, it was the first time I had ever thought there could be anything wrong. With rock stacks. Yeah. But apparently, it's a thing. It's a hot topic. It's a hot topic right now. Yes. So I think it's personally, I think it's stupid. The I don't know what to think Drama or... I think the drama's stupid. Stacking rocks. I really couldn't care less. I think if you're on a trail that is marked with cairns... I think that there's a make legitimate them. purpose to legitimate cairns. Right. I don't think that just stacking rocks is a good idea. Well, okay, so here's my thing. I was reading some articles about it because yes. I was like, I was thinking about making a YouTube video about the whole thing and how stupid it was. So I was reading uh, some articles about it, and like, there's national parks that have banned it because they've had to remove tens of thousands of these rock stacks of people stacking rocks and taking pictures. And I've read both sides of the argument. You know, it's zenful to be out in nature and all that, and then the environmental side of it, and it's zenful to be in nature for the person who is stacking the rocks, but it's not zenful for the person who's visiting Yellowstone and sees 10,000 
rock stacks throughout their every, whole trip. And it's not that is zen. obviously all man-made right. when you're there to see what's yeah. the perfect wonder in nature. Right. Yeah. And it's, preserved, it's not, not zenful not for the right. ecosystem either. There's Correct. small bugs that use those yeah. rocks and stuff, and you're taking away habitat for and them. It, if if there's you know high water that comes through, it can create like a a dam effect. Yeah. Like I have no problem with someone stacking rocks. It's the leaving of the stack. That's what that's I, th- more. That's of the, the issue. middle ground that I was going to take. Yeah, is that I don't have a problem with anybody stacking rocks as long as they're not pulling them out of the river. Maybe they're finding them on the ground. They stack some rocks. They get their picture and then they Knock put the over. rocks back where they. F- Oh, or even just knock it over. Or just knock it over. That's got to be like half the fun. I don't... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like... Kicking right? rocks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it's like building a Lego tower. From, right? <laughs> Kicking yeah. rocks. I don't know. No, so I, I think I'm there's on like, the same page. I think there's a middle ground there, but I think Tom brought a good perspective on last week when we were talking, and we were talking about conservation, and he made a point that, you know, there's people out there fighting for catch and release only areas of fishing, and he's like, that's just... That's not a battle... That that's not where fighting. our focus is going to make that much of a change. It's in the not. Grand it's scheme of things. going to make minimal change, if any, in the grand scheme of things. And the main thing is habitat. Yeah. Right. And no, I so, completely agree. I don't. I don't think that's a feasible option. Like no, in so many places, you know, there's invasive species that people want put out. So if you make a certain area catch and release only, you know, you lose. I also the opportunity think with to, the uh, with the rock stacking instance, we're fighting within our small echo chambers of where we tend to play but there's a lot of people who utilize the outdoors who are not on these channels so like your everyday college hiking person who's like oh yeah i've just found nature and i love hiking on their tinder profile (laughs) that they they're not they're not in on these conversations we can tell you're not on tinder (laughs) yeah is that how that works yeah is that how that works yes i would know either but um but they they wouldn't be purview to these conversations, so they wouldn't necessarily know better. So I do think it's kind of like a something dumb to be kind of arguing about. But as people who do know and people who listen to this podcast, what I'm going to say is if you like stacking rocks, stack them, take your photos, but then knock them down. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the reasonable middle ground. Absolutely. Well, and bring your own Legos out there. Yeah. Bring your own Legos. Play, play Godzilla. <laughs> stack it up. Take is it that down. bird on her collar? Uh-huh. Looks oh, like that a, is cool. Looks like a parrot. Hey, take a picture of that for the gram. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, so uh, that's a very visual thing for an audio format right now. So <laughs> <laughs> what did we get any questions this week? Uh, we got a question for Megan. Hit me. It might be better for later on, but we'll just do it. Advice on uh, when it's time to retire a bird dog. Ooh. So. I think there's a natural rhythm to it. In my thought to it, there's a natural, like, they just genuinely start slowing down. Well, I'll, I'll give a perspective. I went hunting in Utah with uh, one of the best dog trainers in the United States. Yep. And he had dogs of all ages from just learning to 13 years old. Um, they were out hunting. Now, obviously, you know, he loves all of his dogs. And if the dog wants to hunt, he wants to take a hunting. And his 13-year-old dog was out there more as a teacher to the young young dog. It was really cool to watch them all work. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to bring this dog with me. She's slow. She's going to be with us. She's not going to be way ahead like the other dogs. But 
I guarantee you those other dogs are going to miss birds, and she is not going to miss a single one. And without a doubt, she went out, and she was picking up yeah, all the she, birds. She probably dug. wasn't ready to retire either. I don't think that if the, if the question is asking for an age, then I don't think that there's a set age for it. No, but I would say 13. I mean, 13 years old for a dog is. That's an old dog in general, but. Yeah. I, I think. I, I just don't think many people expected me to hear, to hear a story about a 13-year-old dog still getting out and hunting. Oh, man. What do you think, Megan? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. So, completely agree about there not being a set age for bird dogs. Um, by the way, love the Chacos. Oh, yeah, thanks. The, uh, yeah. Fly fishing. Oh, yes. Yeah, all about that. Um, my my baby cousin's named after Rhett. Thomas Rhett? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thomas Rhett. So... <laughs> Super stoked about that. Happy to see Is him. Is the one who designed them? Yeah. Yeah. Partnered with him. He made like three different models or whatever. Yeah. Such a bad country singer, though. <laughs> this ad is brought to you by Chacos. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I think there is... There are a lot of reasons to keep a dog in the field and also a lot of reasons to like retire. retire a dog. I think you have to really have an understanding of where the dog... Where their abilities are. Where their abilities are, and you've got to meet them where they're at. I mean, you can't... You can't... For example, um, we, we come across this a lot where a nine-year-old dog who's been in a kennel situation his whole life his, her, whole life, whatever, no matter the breed, they are on concrete floors living through all the conditions that they're living through, um, heat, cold, you know, rain, all that, and hunting, you know, seasonally. So a nine-year-old or maybe even an eight-year-old dog that hunts hard one season, well, if you think about it, you know, here in Texas, they're... They're kind of, their season ends in April, essentially, and they don't really start up again until September, October. September, October. October usually is when it is. I mean, obviously for us, dove season starts in September, but when you talk about other birds, October, when the the weather really cools down. Mm -hmm. So you're talking four four, four or five months of a sedentary existence in these kennels, right? And it's not to say that that's the case everywhere, but a lot of times it is. Um, so what happens is, you know, you might have an eight or nine-year-old dog that, you know, that season is fantastic and they're on their game and they're they're tuned into what's going on. Well, that next year, it's really tough, you know, they – they can in in the course of that next season or by that next season rather they um, they have a really hard time with their joints and and so that's where the retirement age can be very iffy. Right, just depends on the dog. Really. It depends on the dog, and, it, the and it depends on the kitchen, uh, the the situation, the conditions, right. the um, the care. Um, so there's a lot of factors. So. I know that's kind of a long-form 
response to uh, that question, but it's a complicated question. Right. And it's, and it's a question that I know a lot of kennel operations deal with. Like when to um, actually retire the when dog. When to retire a dog. And, and you've just got to, you've got to just know the dog. Yeah. That's, you know, the, that's the short, long, short of it. I also so. think it's valuable to have a rotation. I mean, I know starting out, that's kind of in, infeasible. But I think like at a certain age, you do need to start planning on getting another dog to start filling in those beginner roles. That way they catch up to each other. And then when the older one's truly ready to retire, then you have another one in there. So that's, with, that's a hard one too, though. Yeah. Well, even if you, if, if that day never comes, then you just have two good hunting dogs. Yeah. It's, that's something that we run into a lot though. Uh, yeah, that's, that might be a whole, that might be a whole <laughs> Pandora's box I just opened, but. When um, to get your replacement dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, next question. <laughs> no, I think it's important to talk about, though. I think you should definitely. Look, I'll put it this way. I'll, I think you should attack it head on because I think people need to realize, like, if they're getting a dog, that's a, I think that's a lifetime of that dog that they should love and oh, care for yeah, that animal. definitely. And not dump it for the next best thing as soon as No, that's an but option. there's a, there's, comes a certain point in a dog's life where, Running them that hard. If you're out, if you're a weekend warrior, then that time may never come. But if you're like a guide and you're using this dog day in, day out, all through hunting season, that dog will hit its its wall somewhere, and you need something to be able to. No, but that's not the problem. The problem is that people, when they get the next dog, they don't want their older retired dog anymore. Whether it's a lodge. A guide, so you're or saying, you're saying specifically people wanting to get rid of them just yeah. No, I'm specifically it's okay. So should I introduce field to family? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I know. I yeah, we may have talked about this a little bit, but we work specifically with commercial hunting lodges, right? So, so these lodges can either be uh, or the dogs can either be. Um, owned by the lodge, or they can be owned by individual guides who are contracted with the lodge, or there's sometimes some mix of the two. I don't get into the minutia of that, but basically, we rehome the dogs that are retired, injured, duds, or unsociable. Unsociable, kind of an iffy playground um because when it comes to being dog aggressive or anything like that that's something we take pretty seriously mm-hmm. but the main ones are too old too much of a dud or injured so those covering the basics um of it 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 gets really complicated though because then you have you know, the, the lodges that may or may not actually own the dogs or, or the guides that own the dogs or, or may not. Or sometimes, you know, you call these vet clinics and, and you're asking for records on this one dog that's supposed to be under this one account. And, and I mean, you, you search high and low for it and you can't figure out who owns the dog. <laughs> and then you finally think that you have the records for the dog and it turns out to be a year and a half old 
English cocker named Rowdy <laughs> when the one you're calling for is a 13-year-old setter who's red and white. You know, his name's Rowdy, but it's spelled different. And and so, I mean, there's just all kinds of complications. So, so I think this all came about because commercial... And I think I was there. You were you were there. I could I, I don't yeah, want to get into the details of that. Commercial once a commercial lodge or a you know a guide, you know, if they retire a dog that's in a kennel situation, that dog is basically lives as the rest of his existence in a kennel if he does not hunt. Right. And so the the problem is that you have a retired dog that's not really a dog that worked its butt off for a lodge and brought a lot of income into the lodge. That's not necessarily a fair life for a dog that did that. And the now, same I, thing. I get, I get the point of what Field to Family is mm-hmm. and what y'all are saying. I thought the question was solely around when to retire it. When like to, if and when to get when another a, one. When it's a personal dog, not mm. on a commercial yes. standpoint. And, yes, and I see, and I, I totally see where you're, where you're coming from with that. And that was going to be my point, was that there's, there is a really significant difference, as you know, between um, a dog like Hatch, who's, you know, living the cush life, yeah. you know, <laughs> with you <laughs> in the house, versus dogs in... You know, on kennel dogs, and kennel yeah, dogs. Yeah. yeah, and and so like, that's why I say like these you, are the conditions they're living. So it's different. In. You so it would depends. never like very if, different. If Hatch couldn't hunt, you would never be like, I don't want Hatch anymore. Hatch is gonna live the re- like it's obvious. Like right. we know how much right. he, can he could and never hunt a day in his life, and, and you're still gonna keep him and love him. Right. Yeah. You might give him a brother or sister. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might gain a CC or something. <laughs> no, that's oh, that's the distinction, and and that's where. That's where, so when this whole thing started out before it was even called Field of Family, we posted on uh, um, social media this picture of this beautiful um, GSP who hunted hard, was bit by a rattlesnake, spent 52, either 52 or 57 days at the vet um, recovering because it was, he was bit in the, um, like in one of his leg joints. And so it took a really long time to recover from and went out into the field again and just wasn't the same dog. And like timid? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like he was gun shy, but not literally gun shy. Um, He was just kind of not the same. And he had been one of the best um, that they had. We took him home and, you know, I took pictures of him, posted it on social media and said, you know, dogs from a hunting lodge, um, we're looking to rehome him, blah, blah, blah. And while the majority of people were super receptive and super supportive and all of it, there were those couple people who would respond saying, I don't know who would, would give up their, their dog and who would get rid of their, hunting, their dog when it's not able to hunt anymore and blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing that, you know, people want to read what they want to read. And they want to understand the way that they want to understand but it. But it's not that kind of situation. It's not that situation. And so it was. I was really upset about it because I was like, oh, my uh-huh. God. Don't you know we're just trying to do something good for this dog? And they didn't. It's like they didn't see the full picture. And and that's okay. And everybody, it, you know, has a right to to 
see what they want to see. But um, to your point, you know, there's there's the home dogs, they're the house dogs that hunt, and then there are the dogs that I consider commercial hunting lodge dogs. So that's where our focus is. It's on rehoming those specific dogs. Yes. It's it's very specific. It's not for the guy who's like, oh, this and is they my don't family live dog. or grow up in a home atmosphere. Correct. I mean yeah. I mean ideally they are socialized as pups in a home or around kids or, you know, they're I like to think that they're all socialized mm. in a home atmosphere because it just makes them better dogs later on. Well, they're work dogs, for for lack of a better but term. But they're working dogs. Right, who have a and, job to do every right. day. Exactly. So, you know, I can't split hairs about, you know, where they were raised or whatever, but, you know, my job is to figure out what kind of dogs they are now so that I can find the best home for them. Right, because otherwise... You know, there wasn't a solution before, but they still didn't need them anymore. There was no solution. Yeah. Absolutely no solution. Really? They were just... Nothing. Okay. Um, there is an organization, shout out to my boy Trent, um, with Camo, it, um, out of Pheasant Bonanza in Nebraska, okay. um, who I've worked really closely with, and he has started a fantastic organization there, and so they... they they really do a lot of the same work. Uh, well, we work together with rehoming. Um, we've done it with a number of dogs, but um, they rehome dogs that may be from, you know, just individuals that have dogs that just aren't working out or whatever, um, in addition to dogs that could be part of their organization at um, their lodge or something that maybe not a great fit or for whatever reason aren't working out, but they also do mentoring in the outdoors, which is super cool. Um, so they take, um, young, young kids out and, and kind of introduce them to, you know, hunting and just outdoors in general, which is fantastic. And, um, anyway, so, I mean, as far as I know, trends organization camo is the only other one that, does something similar something similar um but yeah it just there just felt like there was a gap in in um in the industry for for helping these dogs that are obviously really sweet and and just need a home and the other side of it is that the lodges need a home for these dogs too right so it's really there hasn't a, been a solution for them. They right. would prefer that right. if a dog is retired, Absolutely. that it has a home to go to. That it has a home to go to. They, yeah, they do. And it and seems so like they've all been super receptive to that. Now that it's yes, because yeah, it like it, it was Absolutely. a they, they definitely had uh, dogs were aging out. They weren't going to keep them forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been part of the project is really getting the lodges to buy into what we're doing mm-hmm. and. That's just come over time. It's a result of trust. Um, you know, doing what you're saying, what you're saying that you're gonna do, and um, and them seeing how happy these dogs are yeah. once you know they find that forever home and that forever family. It it it's the coolest thing. It's most um, 
exciting part of what we do to see how happy these dogs are and how and how happy the owners are. I mean, to see these little kids that just light up with these dogs, mm-hmm. you're like, it's the coolest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. How many dogs have you rehomed? Um, so I actually recycled. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually called my dad who I have put on the books as my accountant now. Um, <laughs> so dad, as of yesterday, well, we picked up another one today. Shout so. out to your dad, by the way. He's like one of the coolest people I've ever met. <laughs> he's going to listen just... to this podcast. And he's going to love that. <laughs> we, we should uh, get him on the podcast. Oh, I've never Lord. met him. Oh, he you is. Could, you could have, we would have a hoot. stories. I, you might so be you here would. till midnight. I'll bring, I, all I have to tell him is I'll bring Gimli and he'll be here. Gimli be and a bottle of tequila. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, we can do that. Though. Oh man, yeah. No, Dad, he's the real MVP here. Thanks, Dad. Um, so Dad, yesterday, not not counting the litter of puppies, um, we were at forty three today. Yesterday we were forty three. Now we're forty four. With the puppies, were that would include the litter that Gimli's from, right? Including me, correct? Yep. Yes. Be included. Yeah, you you are absolutely included. So we're at forty nine. Wow. Okay. Not so not including y'all, like the dogs that y'all kept. Am I the first adopter from field to family? Yes. Wait. Well, yeah, not including me with Birdie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was about three years ago? Uh, Three, actually, it'll be... They, yeah, oh, three years ago. Oh, happy birthday, Gimli. Gimli's birthday was... Uh, <laughs> it was last month. It was last month. Yeah, yeah, three years. He got a Frosty Paw. He was happy. I was going to... I almost called you. <laughs> I almost called you. Um, I actually had eight to, dogs at my house that day, so I... What we're going to do is oh I'll work it out with uh, McKenna's parents, and you can bring all the siblings in. Everybody over, and they can all go swim together. Oh, man. Like That's going to be a slitter bond. Play date. Yeah. Oh, Cece and June like to try to drown each other. <laughs> They're heathens. So, 43 dogs. Yeah. 44. 44. Today. 44. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been... It's a lot. Um, now, how do you find... How are you advertising yourself out there so people can adopt and then what requirements to follow up on that do people have to go through to make sure that they're a good fit for a dog yeah so we um we have had so many people come through uh word of mouth mm. and, 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 yeah pss, pss. <laughs> um so many people come through word of mouth and that that actually has been i would say that's largely majority yeah, the way that we find our, our adopters because we naturally will, you, you know. You know people in the industry that are familiar with these types of dogs. Yeah, I'm sure. or previous adopters. And yeah. they say, hey, people say, hey, where'd you get your dog from? Oh, field of family. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the country. Yeah, you said um, earlier you flew a dog out to California. <laughs> did pork chop. Pork oh. chop. What, <laughs> what, what type of dog is pork chop? He's an English cocker. Oh He's awesome. Gosh. Oh, my God. I love that dog. Um, Connor and Jordan, I, I'm going to send you guys this, this podcast, but, um, yeah, PC, he's my boy. He sat on my lap the whole way on the flight. Um, (laughs) yeah, he did. He did. It was crazy. But, um, yeah, I've, I've sent dogs to 
California. I've sent him to New York. I've sent him all over the country. I mean, just last week or two weeks ago, we sent Claire, who's a 10-year-old GSP, sent her to Idaho. Oh, sorry, Lynn. <laughs> I just threw we're like playing a, fetch with a dog while yeah, we're podcasting. Yeah, bird decoy to, to Landon's lap right there. Um, but I sent Claire to Idaho, mm-hmm. um, to Sun Valley, and she's living her best life there. So a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, we've also gotten pretty good at doing Instagram stories that really are engaging. And uh, you guys should follow us. We, I think we do now. Okay, perfect. Well, our Instagram stories can be epic. And they can result in many, many applications coming in. Wait, how many applications are you getting per dog? Uh, per average? dog, hard to say. Um, Probably ranges too. It totally ranges yeah. um, because, you know, we work with setters, GSPs. Old dogs, cockers, young dogs. Young, exactly. So it's hard to say per dog. For example, pork chop or actually this other one named Helen. <laughs> He was a English shutter. I think for Helen, we may have gotten five or six applications just for her. Okay. For pork chop, we may have gotten four in one day, um, and they they'll continue to come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the the hard thing is, is we're a small organization, so sometimes like we just can't get to everybody. Yeah. It just it's kind of sucks, but it's it's just that way. So there are a lot of people that express interest that we just may not get to and part of that is because they just may not be the right fit we've got somebody else that we're working on that that came in first or was a better fit or whatever so there's that um do you guys have a website that people go on and fill out an application yes and what type of information are you getting from them so like what are you all looking for yep so the more thorough the application the more likely it is that you're going to hear from me I ask all kinds of questions, and, and I can, I'll can send you the link. It's fieldfamilydogs.org, but um, our application basically asks, you know, do you have kids in the house? Do you have other dogs in the house? Have you owned a dog before? Um, what are the ages of the kids if you do have kids? Um, and then really the nitty-gritty of it is, you know, tell me about where the dog's going to be during the day. Do you have a fenced yard? Do you... Ian, do you have a fenced yard? He does. He doesn't. <laughs> um, he just doesn't it. have a deck. He, he just, just doesn't, doesn't have, have a, a deck porch. yet. Right? No, but okay. he has he has another door that goes right to the Ian, you are not going to live this down. Um, <laughs> so, so then there's, um, I would say the most important question that I have for every single potential adopter is, what do you have in mind? for this dog. Like what are you looking for in a dog? Are you looking for and and I even say, you know, tell me breed, tell me size, tell me activity level, tell me everything. And sometimes people will just put dog to hang out. <laughs> and I'm like dot 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 question mark. Yeah, it it's that's a that's very puzzling to me, but you know, I want to know the breed that they have in mind or that they're open to because right like English setters they shed a lot of white hair, a whole lot of white hair. And at the same time, cockers, you could have like Cece, who doesn't really shed that much. And it's, she has black hair. And I've literally had people be like, hey, look, we really love English setters. But 
my wife for her job because of where she works has to wear like black slacks mm-hmm. all the time and like white hair just doesn't really work. And and for that reason, I'm like makes sense. Right. Totally makes sense. Yeah. But you can't just tell me you're not open to a white dog. You know what I mean? Don't like, want a white dog. Like I don't want a white dog. That like, just doesn't why? work. <laughs> right. So Well it sounds like if that's the case they're They've put a lot of thought into it, and they really care. Right. Exactly. So that's what it comes down to, is that the people that I am most likely to get back with and work with beyond, you know, it being somebody that was referred by somebody else that's worked with us, the people that have put time, effort, and thought into this application and really show that they're serious about this. Those are the people that I want to work with because that's where I want to, you know, those are well, you're the, trying to find homes, the best home. Those are the homes yeah. that I want to place dogs in. And, um, and we take that really seriously. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we ask like, we're, we're pretty thorough. Um, and is and just so people know, because I'm sure I would not be surprised if we release this podcast and then you get some applications. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Is there? I'm prepared for that. Is, yeah, we're hoping. <laughs> I'm prepared for that. We're hoping. Um, and we're hoping a D- Ian will. Yeah. What's that dog's name again? Uh, Percy. 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 Ian and Percy. Ian and Percy. Percy and Ian. It rolls off the tongue, Ian. Hitting, all, hitting oh, up Sixth Street. Man, there you go. <laughs> hitting up Sixth Street. <laughs> or, you know, Zilker Park or something. Uh, yeah, right? Just taking a stroll, long stroll in Zilker, <laughs> Zilker Park. Just walk around your neighborhood. Who knows? You yeah. Know. It's going to be great, man. And then uh, Piercy can have a profile on our website. You yeah. You've already had a GSP live in your house for like two days, Ian. So you know it can work. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We're just oh, going to keep Hatch. P- yeah, I took Hatch up there one weekend. Maybe yeah. that's maybe he texted me right after that and was like, "I can do this. I can do this. This will work." He, we're gonna make that's, him do it. I do have the house for this. <laughs> that's funny. So um, I'm gonna send him. I'm gonna send Hatch up there for like a week vacation. Just. I would like to say I know Landon said earlier he's he said I don't I won't get into the details of it but Landon you're very very you could say to blame or to thank. For Field of Family coming to fruition, uh, whether or not you like it. Well. You remember. I was there. You were there. I was part of it, but I, I do not want to take any of the credit. I'll take credit for this podcast. I'll take credit no, no, for bringing no, 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 you no. on the podcast. So Landon. But I, this, you have put in work. All I did was <laughs> adopt a dog. No, but Landon. <laughs> so Landon looked at me, but I will say. When you looked at me that day and you said, <laughs> I still laugh about it. He goes, he goes, if you're, if you take her and she's pregnant, I'll take a puppy. <laughs> and then, and then, and then he goes, he goes, actually, let me call McKenna and then I'll take a puppy. Yeah, yeah. He's like, let me, let me call McKenna and check and then I'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> so I laughed. I was like, that is so epic. But um, I think not not only that when so rookie you, move the land and you just got to take the puppy. Were, it was so it was so unexpected. Too. Well, and I think McKenna picked the puppy, right? McKenna oh, yeah, got yeah. McKenna was the one who picked. Oh, you guys Gimli. both you guys both picked him. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. But um, no, it was just funny the way Landon said it because we're we're standing at the kennels and this weird dog's looking at me and 
I'm thinking, there's no way in hell I'm keeping her. <laughs> he looks at me and he says, he goes, if she's pregnant, like, we'll take one. And then he kind of <laughs> turns around and he's, he says, actually, let me check with McKenna, but I'm pretty sure we'll take one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take one. Uh, um, that was that was funny. I, I will never forget that. When I think I was out there too, even before that, whenever the idea, the frustration was there. Yeah, and, and it I came think it was to a couple a fruition. Th- it was a couple days because we were there for like five days, mm-hmm. and which seems like a long, really long time ago. Which I guess it was. But um, and there were a lot of conversations. There were a lot of conversations afterwards. that happened. There were a lot of. Yeah, there there was a lot of there were a lot of things that came to light that that I ruminated on for quite a while. Stewed on. Oh, stewed big time. I was yeah. stewing. <laughs> it was stewing for for quite a while, and I I basically dragged Landon out to the kennels, and I said. Just look at her. <laughs> Just look at her. <laughs> Do you see that face? <laughs> I mean, and and Landon's like, yeah, Megan, see that face. <laughs> and and that was when you know he he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a puppy. <laughs> uh, but before that, he had heard me vent a little bit. Stew. <laughs> stew. That's about yeah. It. Stew. stew about all of it for. For a couple of days at that point, and he had he had lived with me long enough to <laughs> to be done with it, and he was like, "Just shut up, I'll I, take a I, puppy out." Shut up. <laughs> I can't remember. I was already at the San Antonio store, wasn't I? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. But we had worked together for yeah, we've quite a we've bit known each other for that. quite a while now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 been a minute, but um, yeah, it's. It's been a journey, and um, the other really cool thing that we've done is create, you know, some some standards of care for dogs at commercial um, hunting operations. How, that it, if you don't mind me asking, how yeah. does that go over? Because I imagine, like, these people probably have, like, their way of it's doing things. It's been really well receptive. Okay. Like, it, it's... It's been very positive. Awesome. Um, the reception's been great across the board. You know, do I think everybody's read it line by line? Absolutely not. Do I hope everybody will at some point in the next year? Sure. Um, but, you know, every little bit is a win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're getting there. Okay. Um, and... And it's it's hard because you're not trying to advocate against using dogs for hunting. Mm-hmm. You're which you know it can come up it can come across that way right. sometimes. People are like totally taken aback by what you're you're saying, and you're like, no, 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 no. I don't have a problem with you having dogs that you're hunting with. I hunt with my dogs. It's not a big deal. It's more about the the care. Okay. And and kind of the life after hunting, the life after hunting, like preparing and them for life after hunting. But correct, and and if they even hit a point where they hunt, you right. know, like Birdie, Birdie never hunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess they did take her out, but they'd always find her by the back wheel of the truck. Like she was like 
peace. I'm yeah. done. She just didn't like the chaos of yeah. it. Said she was gun shy, but who knows? She just hightail it back to the truck, and she's from an excellent bloodline. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, there, I don't have answers for for every dog, but um, you know, I think every dog deserves a really awesome life outside of the kennels if they're not a good fit for the kennels, mm-hmm. and that's really the mission of Field to Family is to give these dogs a great life where they can thrive and be dogs yeah, and be part of a family. So you mentioned that there was application obviously, and your hot tip was for people to actually fill it out and put some effort into it. Very hot tip there. Yeah. Like a high school essay, not like a second grader essay. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Um, I don't care about spelling, but just, Put a lot of, um, you know, the thought, just thought into it. A like, lot of words. You're making a big decision. <laughs> it's all about the animal. word count. It's all about the word count. The word count. Anything yeah. less than a thousand words, she uh, doesn't even open. Uh, Don't yeah, even try. Yeah, nixing it right there. <laughs> um, Title. Is there anything else that people like? Is there? I know that you. This is a f- big financial thing for you. Is there a cost associated with adopting a dog? Yes. Because the dog is in your care. Yes. And what does that look like? Just so yep. people know. Right, there is, like, yeah, you have to put up something on your end. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so there's a couple parts of that. Um, first, yes, we have a $400 adoption fee. Um, that goes from, you know, the year and a half dogs, which are really on the younger end of what we get, to, um, you know, the, the older dogs. Basically is to ensure that we have people that are, one, financially invested in the dog, two, um, you know, willing and able to financially support the dog and and care for it, and three, and this is the biggest one, is basically helping us cover our costs. Operational, but mostly veterinary costs. So... Um, I mean, for the most part, yeah, we spend so much more on veterinary expenses than we get in adoption fees. And that's just, I mean, that's just big. Do you also, it's expensive to feed dogs, especially big dogs. Oh, too, it's God, yeah. Do you, um, it's crazy. do you work with some vets in Austin that give you guys a break for what y'all are no. doing? <laughs> well, we work with vets, but they don't give us a break. Um, we're still, yeah, we're still waiting on our 501c3 thing to come through. Um, and then when, but even then with vets being in such demand that they are right now, it is so hard to even get a vet appointment. Yeah. A lot of our vets here are like closed to new. uh, Yeah. You can't have, Yeah. yeah, you can't have new patients. Um, luckily I have. That's all over town where I have accounts. <laughs> yeah. <enough>. <laughs> but um, no, I, yeah, we have not had any sort of break there. Um, I use like coupons. I use all kinds of stuff that I can, mm-hmm. but it doesn't even come close to covering anything. Now, do you guys, I guess once you get your 501c3, it might be different. For like maybe like maybe. people who don't want uh, as far not as far as far as the vet goes, but as like if people wanted to help you guys out, yes. but maybe aren't in a situation that's to take a dog. Exactly, and and that's where we can start applying for grants, right? 
and stuff. And, and it's not to say that we can't do it now. It's just that I don't really feel good about starting a fundraising campaign now, even though you can, re- like, once we get 501c3 status, we can retroactively, apply you know, apply. Yeah, and exactly. Send that out to people and stuff. Right. I just, I, I don't want to do that. Wait, it's, it's just cleaner I'd rather to wait. wait. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we'll start really doing fundraising and, and having grants, which will be huge. I mean, we've bootstrapped the whole thing. Um, and we're really proud of the fact that, you know, we've been able to find homes for, for 44 plus dogs at this point. Yeah. Doing it that way. So, you know, chipping away. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I had a follow-up question, but I just lost it. Say, are you falling asleep? No, I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> oh, what brands have been working with you guys? Because I know you yes. mentioned earlier you've gotten some assistance, so I'd like to uh, appreciate those brands on Absolutely. the podcast. Yeah, shout-out to Purina, um, Purina Pro Plan. Uh, they have supplied us with a substantial amount of of dog food, um, and we were featured in their outdoor wire. I think it was, I guess it was back in the spring. Then we should have something coming out. In, I, I think it's probably this fall for Sporting Classics magazine, which would be cool. Um, and then Orvis, you know, has been, has been really supportive of what we're doing. And, um, you know, just encouraging different lodges to to use our services to to help out their their dogs and um kind of care for the kennels and and all that stuff so um yeah yeah that, i would say those three are pretty big yeah Piano dropped the pallet of dog food off at your house that's awesome yeah that was a funny that was a funny drop like Watching the FedEx guy <laughs> come out. I mean, he was a small dude. And watching him come out of the, uh, it's like, oh, my God, do you have, like, a do you have a truck? Or do you have, like, a backhoe or something in uh-huh. there? And uh, I couldn't believe he lifted that thing, like, cranked it down. Uh-huh. Ro- I mean, I have a steep driveway. And he's, like, <laughs> he's just hauling it up <laughs> my driveway. <laughs> and I'm, oh, God, yeah. It, um... So, so funny story about that. I, um, before I had cleared off the pallet one day, I was just mulling around in my house and I come out in the garage and I had left the garage door open and, and I was like, oh my God, what, what are you? And there's just this random dog in my garage and I'm like, good Lord. He just came another to one, food. another <laughs> one, <laughs> like DJ Khaled. He's like, I, another one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so he's like, I escaped the kennel. I heard you were the place to come. Right, and and I I called somebody in my family. I was like, I cannot believe this. There's a dog in my garage. And my parents go, they're like, what do you expect? There's a pallet of dog <laughs> food yeah. in your garage. They could probably yeah. smell it a mile away. Oh, if we're being honest. I was like, so oh, good point. That's why you're a parent, huh? <laughs> yeah. You, you know more than me. You, stop, you, stop. you know yeah. more Just than me. a little bit. Yeah, that was, that was good. Anyway, that was, um, that was the funny dog, dog palate food story. Uh, what, um, what breeds do you guys see? So we work with 
uh, English Setter, well, pretty much any sporting breed. Right. Um, we have taken in a stray, which was, you know, I call it, you know, my holiday do good, but um, I'm just a sucker. But <laughs> English Setters, GSPs, English Cockers, my. Yeah, those are. I'm probably biased towards <laughs> English those. cockers are your um, yourself. Cliff, it, you said you wanted an English cocker. I do. I can't get hey, one hey. right now. I can't do one. Yeah, right he gets now. upset when Give I don't ask him to watch our dog. He's like, "You didn't ask me to watch Gimli. I know that." Hey, I have three. If you ever want to watch <laughs> any of them, I like them. I think they're sweet dogs. Where well, they're she? and they're the perfect what size. Doing? Like, and they're and they're a good match for a hunting duo with. Yeah, Hatch. with the GSP. Oh yeah, no, yeah. they're and they're they're sweet as heck. Hi, baby. Um, so I'm trying to think. We've rehomed a Springer. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the the main ones. Oh, uh, Irish setters. Okay, Irish setters. Irish setters are beautiful too. Oh yeah, great when dogs. When that tail goes off and it's windy, it looks like a flag, like straight up, like waving and everything. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Awesome. Britneys. Okay. So my parents just adopted a Brittany. Hi, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a Brittany um, from Field to Family, Maddie. Uh huh. We called her Massive Maddie because she was really fat. First, I'll I'll send you guys a picture of the before and after. You would not believe it. She looks incredible. Um, yeah, I mean it's really any sporting breed. Yeah. So. Um, and then do you guys have um, lodges throughout Texas, or you guys across the whole across nation? Across the country. That's awesome. Yeah, we work across the country. Do you have people that hold the dogs for you or foster yep. the dogs until yep. they're adopted? Oh, Absolutely. So you, every dog does not come to your house. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know how quickly I would be out of my house? Well, that's what I was thinking for a second. Oh, I was man. like, how many dogs does she have oh, for her house right now? I would be evicted so fast. <laughs> No, um, no, I had, well, you know, my family puts up with a lot of my stuff, but, um, <laughs> yes, I have, I have fantastic fosters across the U.S., mostly in the southern U.S., mm-hmm. um, but like I said, I'm, I'm, or maybe I didn't tell you, I'm driving to Birmingham Sunday. Okay. My neck of the woods. Bringing a dog. Yeah, there Sunday. I'm hoping to pick up Percy for Ian <laughs> Monday. <laughs> Wait, Percy is an Alabama dog too. He is an Alabama. I might what, need you want him? GSP. Oh, hey, man. Hatch is from Georgia. You want to foster? I don't have the room to foster. Yes, yeah, you do. Here. I'm sure you do. You got a little backyard. You've got a garage. It's not, not big enough. Just for kidding. Them. We do not foster our dogs in garages. <laughs> He's thinking. If you guys could see him right now, he's thinking really hard on it. He is. He's close too. A couple of sweet talking words, you get Cliff there. I don't think we should snatch Ian's dog that we've already like pre donated. That's true. We've already already sold Ian on this one through the podcast. But I think it'd be cool if all of us had a field to family dog. Hey, so do you guys ever get story? I have a street in B Caves that has four. No, right now there are currently five field of family dogs on that street. Oh man, word spreads quick. 
Well, hey, word spreads quick. If you guys ever get a golden, a German wired hair pointer, I have a wire haired. Oh man, what age? Just, just tell me, man. What? Oh shoot, we're about to like. I think the whole crew's about to have a field <laughs> yeah, of family dog. We're really. about to. No, but like that's this seriously. is where I say I'm slinging dogs. German wire hair pointer or uh, what the uh, Griffin, the wire haired. You want a Griffin? Yeah. Griffon. 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 It's a Griffin. Well, they're different than the Drathars, right? That's a separate breed. It is a different breed. I, similar, though. Yeah, similar, but I've heard that Drathars, they have a couple Griffins of Griffins are bad at. Yeah, I like. That's <laughs> that what was a good attempt to <laughs> save yourself oh, from was. using language um, on the podcast. But what? So what? Uh, GSPs and wire pointers look to be like ten. No, no, twelve to fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, longer than that. So for preferably sure. under like six. But I have a five-year-old, and her name's Lexi. Oh, that's oh. a super cute name. A, a GSP. Oh man, she's a wire hair. This is about to go down. I think everybody in <laughs> Yo, our crew is about to have. Okay, so maybe, maybe maybe talk to me after the podcast. A GSP, <laughs> even at like four or five years old, still has plenty of puppy in them. Oh, yeah. No, they, but that's almost at the tail end of puppy phase. Like, we're getting any break I've seen, there. I've seen GSPs that are like older and they're still like a handful. Yeah. I don't so think they ever grow out of it. They're just constantly just constantly. Yay! So I've taken 10, 11, or well, really, let's see. So 9, 10, 11. 11, 12, almost 13-year-olds, all of those from lodges. And every single time, the lodge is like, she's a killer. And it's, for some reason, it's all been girls. Actually, uh-huh. no, that's not true. There have been a couple of boys, um, Jasper and Tucker, but they, um, they're killers. Like They're like, they just go and go and go and go. go. Yeah. They just want to go. And even the... Almost 13-year-old. Same story. Like I said, the one that I sent to Idaho recently, she's 10. And she hunts like hell. <laughs> I, bet I, get, I bet I could get my dad to adopt a dog, too. He listens. Dad, yeah. when you hear this. There you go. Landon's dad. Yep. He will send you my info. Yep. <laughs> we'll, get you a, we'll get you a dog. Yeah. Do you and all the dogs are named? I'm assuming whenever you get you just keep the. I actually brought you guys some of my trophies. They're in my car, so I was going to show you. I forgot to bring that. I mean, we can open the garage, yeah. but then we get beeping. Yeah, yeah, your pipe system out there. Yeah, I can, I we'll can, get it fixed one day. Yeah, I can. I can run out at some point. But what are the, What are they? Collars, lots and lots of collars. Mm. Oh yeah. That, so the, oh, I need another good collar. This, there you is, go. Hatches this is so embarrassing. But my family, so you guys know how serial killers take trophies? <laughs> you take the collars of y'all yeah. dogs? Like the teeth of their victims and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I do. I do. I brought them for you. You keep all the Oh my Wait, God. are they always in your car? Or did you bring no, down they're not always. Okay. All, all forty-five. That would be really weird. Yeah, exactly. That would so, be very, very weird. That would be the weird lie. <laughs> We're going to get a picture of that. Yes. Oh yeah, oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought it because yeah. I was like, yeah. Landon's going to laugh at this. No, that's, that's hilarious. hilarious. That is no, great. I, I, I brought it for the giggles <laughs> because it's funny to see my brother. My brother's like, oh yeah, Megan's like psychopath like, <laughs> <laughs> trophy thing. <laughs> so for someone to adopt we've talked about you know the application there's a little bit of financial is there anything else that someone wanting to go through the process would need to know about 
do you have them meet the dog if possible? And yeah, absolutely. I mean, or, we 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 try so hard to have the right fit. Sometimes it's sight unseen, um, not necessarily for me or for anybody assisted with field to family, but the adopters sometimes just have to put their trust in in us in the process and especially when it's out of state. Um, the other thing that we do is we do these multi-leg transports where we'll have, you know, a 13-leg transport where we have 13 complete strangers sign up for different one-hour segments of a trip to get a dog from point A to point B across the country. Mm. Oh, that's such a good, good that's idea. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a huge, I, I can't even believe I'm just saying this now, but like, it's a huge part of what we do. Yeah. So I spent my week last week in Colorado um, stressing out about getting Peaches and Daisy, these two cockers from um, Georgia to Austin um, and filling those transport legs. And it is, a, it is a huge undertaking. Just wait till I go home. That's all you got to do. What? I'm just wait till I go home. He goes home to Georgia. And I'll grab yeah, one for oh, you. I thought you were going to say, wait till you go home, like down the hallway. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, man, we I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. I'll, I'll be here. Don't worry, I'll be here. <laughs> um, but no, we have these huge transport legs. So, so yeah, I guess when you say, or when you ask if there's anything else that people need to know, yes, it's that it can take some time. You know, it's not always an overnight process because, for example, today, Clovis, whose AKC name was Four Leaf Clovis, oh pretty God. good, right? <laughs> pretty but good. has AKC papers, pretty good. Um, anyway, I've been, I've been working on him all summer, and I, you know, drove up to Fort Worth from Austin and came back and... Then went to Lampasas with him today and taking him in to be neutered tomorrow. And I mean, it's, and then I'm driving him to Birmingham. Uh-huh. It's a lot of work. Yeah, really. It's a lot of work. So, so I would say, you know, the people that are interested, by all means, send in an application if you're serious, but also know that we're a small <laughs> operation. And even if we're a big operation, or big organization, it still takes time. Like you can't just make these things happen overnight if you're going to do it thoughtfully right. mm-hmm. and and do it with um, kind of long term intentions. So, how else can people help if uh, they can't necessarily adopt a dog? They're like, oh, this is awesome. How can I help? I mean, first of all, tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your family. That's what we're all about. It's the the name Field to Family is, you know, spreading um, kind of our mission through channels of, um, you know, people that 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 want to encourage the field to family lifestyle and want to um, welcome one of these dogs into their homes. And in addition to that, uh, definitely follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, share everything that we post, share it to everybody, just spam everyone, just just spam it. Um, I'm kidding, don't do that. (laughs) I get annoyed with that. (laughs) Um, But uh, 
You can also donate on our website. There is, I believe, a support or donate button on our website um, where you can where you can support us, and we would absolutely love that. I can tell you that every single dollar goes to helping one of these dogs, um, whether it's heartworm treatment, spay, neuter, um, you know, heartworm prevention, anything like that. It it all helps. So. Cool. How can we help? Spam everybody. Spam everybody. everybody. Yeah, we'll we'll get this podcast out there. <laughs> Tell Graham he needs to uh, adopt a dog. <laughs> oh, Actually, so that. funny story. So Graham, I talked I talked about that um, the the GSP who was bit and spent what fifty some days um, at the vet. Graham had TPWD repost that. Um, our post and that's how Lobo got adopted. That's awesome. Graham from TPWD reposting. Yes. So Graham literally played an integral part. I'm going to drop Graham's name because apparently he dropped my name. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Um, So Graham played an integral part in getting Lobo adopted and Lobo's living happily ever after being, um, I don't even know if he's hunting, but he's happy. <laughs> it's so, it's great. Important. Let me ask you this. Do a lot of people come that adopt the retired hunting dogs come from hunting backgrounds, or is it a no. mix? No. Very few. Mm. Very few. Do a lot of people have intentions to hunt? No. 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 Really? It's very. It's been very interesting. I think about that a lot. Um, I always thought that people would want one of the you know, the six, seven, eight-year-old dogs that will still hunt, and those are great. But they're kind of few and far between because uh-huh. they might be injured or, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the times we're still working on working that age backwards where with the lodges where we're not taking 12- and 13-year-old dogs so you're trying to work We're with them to get trying to get them retired earlier, so that, like he said, we can work on new dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 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 a process, and it's going to take a few years, um, a number of years, with the law just buying into it and understanding that they're going to save a lot of money and a lot of work for themselves by retiring younger. By retiring these dogs. At an earlier age. So, I, I guess, I'm assuming dogs like people, that the older they get, the more injury-prone they are. Absolutely, or, yeah. 100%. Right. And, and like I said before, or I don't know if this may have been earlier when we were talking about it, but, you know, this the time that goes by from one season to another, in those eight months, a dog that hasn't been worked a lot, like, those joints kind of lock up and muscles kind of don't work the way they did before. Yeah. And, it's it's just kind of how it is, and so um, you know we're we're working on an earlier retirement age, which really in the long run benefits the lodge, right? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, yeah, Graham. I don't know how we started talking about this, but Graham um, actually was pretty instrumental in um, getting one of our first dogs adopted. So I'm pretty stoked that. 
I'm on the podcast after him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we totally glossed over our uh, articles. You guys want to give Megan a taste of what we do? We can. Do we got All 13 right. minutes to do it, though. You want to do yeah. that or you want to? Lightning rounds. Yeah, mine's not very long either. Yeah, mine's no, I say we do it. Okay. I, I'd like to get uh, Megan's perspective on. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's do it. On uh, some of the fun articles so what, that we get to what find. type are you doing today? I'm doing Florida Man. Okay. Cliff, what are you doing? Cool conservation corner. Cool. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. From now through June on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, drag outs, pressure, and agony as teams go head to head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through the pain is the name of the game. With so much edge of your seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your jersey. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs now on TNT and CBS. This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to watch, but Cox Contour TV helps make that decision easier. Enjoy live TV, on-demand programs, DVR recordings, and music all in one place. And only with the sound of your voice with the Contour Voice Remote. Plus, catch the golf and basketball action you've been waiting for on the Contour Sports app. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. Yeah, she's all knocked out. She's now. She's oh, now she's like, okay. Oh, hey, oh, they're looking at me. She's so cute. That dog will sleep anywhere. She's like me. You learned it from the best. Okay, I'll go first. Florida man. Florida man. Florida man. Florida man. Yeah, we so, for y'all that don't know, Florida man is uh, me finding articles that have Florida man in the title headline by news reports and then telling you guys what's going on. I remember hearing, hearing something about like alligators at some point, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Right. yeah. Alligators and Florida Man are a pretty dinosaurs. common combination. Dinosaurs yeah. came up a couple times. Yeah, yeah, dinosaurs, yeah uh, dinosaurs were chasing a guy. That's why he had to like yeah. break into someone's Got house. It. Human yeah. hamster wheel. Got it. Yeah. Noted. Um, this one is Florida Man arrested for practicing karate by kicking swans in the head. Oh, gosh. Oh, cool. Uh, this happened in downtown yeah. Orlando, is and this, this is the karate is master. No, these are real. No, these, these are, real. are absolutely real. Yeah, practice how you play, though, man. This happened in Orlando and is reported on by the Orlando, Orlando Sentinel um, that uh, Rocco... Joseph Mantella was arrested for practicing karate by kicking swans in the head at a park downtown. <laughs> Mantella was spotted by a few witnesses around 9.30 a.m. kicking a bunch of animals. Someone saw him kick one swan in the head and another in the butt while practicing karate. His kicks were enough to knock one swan down, and the witness said he was kicking as hard as possible. Mantella also apparently targeted a small duck enjoying a nap. When witnesses saw what he was doing, uh, when one witness saw what he was doing, he apparently began to laugh at her. Uh, Mantella was charged with one count of cruelty to animals, which carries a <laughs> maximum sentence of six months in Florida. <laughs> maximum of six months? Maximum of six I months. I feel like 
That's short. Like people yeah. can be pretty. Well, especially because what? What if he's repeat offender? Yeah, like, like six months. Well, also. Well, I think what it, kicking I mean, animal like. No, don't I think there's a level. I think kicking the animals probably like. In the grand scheme of it, I'm not condoning kicking your animal, especially a swan. But mm-hmm. I think in the grand scheme of the things that people do do to animals. Like you that wit, that wit, <laughs> that seems like six months seems fitting, but I feel it's like the, yeah, I would say months six months for should be. I, yeah, for I think kicking a swan in the head. You think six animal months, cruelty could also yeah, be but, like? The but to say it, yeah, it carries a pretty, maximum, that can be pretty bad. And yeah. if they're saying it's a maximum, that's yeah. yeah. And maybe it's because there's a different law that's. Well, right, and, the, the law Megan, that they got this guy for is I only mean, six months. My brother's a lawyer, man. You brought up serial killers earlier. First time it's been brought up on the podcast, oh, by the way. Did I bring up serial killers? You didn't, yes, bring, up, yeah. you didn't break a rule, though. You You're, called you didn't yourself break a, a serial killer. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Oh, yes. Oh, that kind of serial Yes, yes. yes. Well, trophies. Uh, trophies. No trophies. Yeah, but apparently, like, you know, Watch animal out, cruelty is a predecessor for serial killing, according oh, to the documentaries I watch. I will Guilty make pleasure. sure that my board knows about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we will we'll all be on the watch. Don't uh, cruelty. don't practice uh, karate by kicking swans. I mean, I could just ha- I have to imagine. I I almost just said I could imagine, but I have to imagine that their necks are just like that could not that cannot be good. Yeah, they don't seem like they have strong necks. No. No. Maybe they no. do. I don't know. Yeah. No, they're like know. yeah. <laughs> just, I'm trying to imagine what it's like my, being a swan. That's you know? what I'm thinking in my head well, is like exactly. that, that's got to be bad. Like if somebody kicked me in the head, <laughs> my neck would hurt. Yeah, there you go. That's, that that's should not bad. be the new podcast opening either. So, oh, like that's the next one. I like the yeehaw personally. Yeehaw. Gotta keep it, keep it quiet. All right, Cliff. Uh, you ready? C4. Cliff's Cool Conservation Corner. I like the little fade in on that. I know it's a little bit. It's better than the nice. like. Yeah, sometimes it starts in the so air. high and it's just like. So I kind of wanted to go through some uh, top game animals that people kind of encounter this day and age throughout the North American continent, and go from where they were at one point to now to kind of highlight how hunting is conservation. Although a lot of social media and so like the numbers. Of these animals at some point versus where they're at now? Correct. Okay. So, white-tailed deer, at their least, how many do you think there were in the United States, Canada, and Mexico? 60,000. Estimated. You said how many? 60,000. I'm going to say 10,000. No. Uh, y'all wrong. <laughs> He's not as graceful as Zach is. Like, guess what year? Oh, you're pretty close. You're like, wrong. What did you say? Cool. In, in the 19, 1900s is where this was estimated at. There were f- roughly 500,000 white-tailed deer in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. As of 1992, there's 27 million. Oh, wow. Dang. I was going to guess so like 10 million. 500,000 was a low point. Yes. Okay, so they've never really been hurting. I'd still say, I mean, that's... They're never... They're fine. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> 
And like I mean, there's like 12 piece of some at them. Yeah, like whooping crane. You know. Yeah, there's exactly. like 12 whooping cranes. Like, I can, I can hold on the whooping crane in my arms. You know? 500,000. <laughs> I could I could drop kick those really easily. Okay. They'll be fine. Think, exactly. think about it, though. Necks are sturdier. Unless you're Bobby Hill in that one episode. Uh, think about it, though. 500,000 uh-huh. in... United States, Canada, and Mexico. Okay. That's a pretty low number. And you said it was 1910s? It's about it 100 years ni- ago? It said 1900s. Okay, so I'm going to guess 100 years ago. Yep. Uh, Rocky Mountain and Roosevelt elk populations. Uh, 1907's the low point. How many do you think there were? Oh, I... 60,000. I'm sticking with 10,000. Your closest at 47,000, or okay. 41,000 was the low point. Today, or in 1990, there was an estimated 800,000 plus is what this says. So what? Do quick math. It's like 40 times. Quick math. It's like 42 times for a whitetail. And then what? a new section. Quick math. (laughs) Quick math. Let's go. (laughs) And then what? Like 20 times? Yeah, roughly. They're increasing at half the rate of whitetail? Yeah, roughly. All right. So, and like I said, these are all specific, like, Specifically, game animals that uh-huh. we're looking at because yeah, yeah. I'm looking at how hunting has. Yeah, not like the white rhinoceros or something. Like right. That. Uh, <laughs> the wild turkey. <laughs> They're in danger. That was very specific. <laughs> you really pulled that out of your hat, like, real quick. The wild turkey, this one doesn't give a number, uh, it actually gives a classification. The wild turkey in 1890 was classified as nearly extinct. As of 1991, Four million plus turkeys in United States, Canada, and Mexico. Okay, is that for the Rio or for the Eastern? It just says wild turkey, so oh, it's probably man. counting all of them. Gotcha. Pronghorn antelopes. Nineteen ten was the low point. How many do you think there were? Ten thousand. Prong- Ooh, pronghorns. Yep. Yeah, I feel like ten thousand is pretty close. Y'all can't have the same number. Do we okay, get a buzzer 8, noise? Clip. You should. You should. Maybe you, you should. Do you want to? I don't even remember how what many the prong, how many pronghorn were there in 1910? 1890 or yeah, 1910. What, what are they at now? That's the, what I'm going to get to. Oh, so that's it's the, it, you're you're guessing you're he guessing. He said 10,000. I said 8,000. You're guessing the low point. I'm going to say in 1810. 1810 was when they were the least, I guess, according to this chart. Oh, that's weird. Um, uh, I'm going to say six. Your closest, 5,000. Okay. Hey. Closest by Nin- six. <laughs> nine, in 1990. By one. It, yeah, by 1,000, she was closest. Uh, I, was the, I was the closest. Yeah. I will have you know. In 1990, there is an estimated 1 million plus pronghorn, and antelope, or pronghorn antelope. Okay. That one's really recovered then. That one's yes. weird. Yeah. yeah. That's unusual. The Canadian goose. So you live on a golf course, you see them everywhere. Oh, how uh, many? Oh, Lo- they're from Canada? It's the ca- Canada. <laughs> it's the Canada goose. I don't think there's. You know who the, Cana- the Canada goose is named after? Canada. Tom Canada. I don't know who that is. Oh, stop. Is that what Canada's named after? Is a dude named Tom? <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom. Tom no, discovered I'm, it. I'm, pull, I'm pulling a joke from. I don't know the. I'm yeah, where Canada. is that joke no, okay. you pulled from? So <laughs> when I went on the Smith River Please this summer, because it's gone over all of our heads. Whenever I went on the Smith River, so this you're summer, trying to do an inside joke with someone who was not on <laughs> the inside not at all. Here. Exactly, but the listeners who were there, 
who are listening know. They get it. They, they know. Everybody else is the not, inside was joke. not there. Everyone For the 10 fine, people that were on that <laughs> we trip. We were not there. It is also, I think, I believe I said the <laughs> Canadian goose at the beginning, but it is, that is incorrect. It's it the is, Tom Canada goose. It is, I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> you picked the wrong host. And it I is the Canada goose. You picked a host that's going to call you on all of your stuff. Um, <laughs> Making up names now. So well, the Canada goose. Lo- Tom Canada goose. Low really point. Okay, how many was low? Oh, wait, we got a guess again? Yes. What year? 1940s. Oh, uh, 40,000. Anyone else want to guess? Has it decreased? 40,000 No, all these one. are increases. <laughs> <laughs> 40,001. Well, so it goes the other way, okay, then. Bob. 35. Uh, 1,100,000. Closest. Yeah. Let's go. You said, wait. You said 35? What was the question, how, though? How many it's Canadian a, geese were at their lowest point? Oh, then Canada why were geese. we guessing in the 30s 30, or 40s? 40,000. 40, yeah, I know. I we, just killed the, we just killed the hell out of Canadian geese for a while. That's why I was thinking. <laughs> I didn't know. And oh, ni- there were a lot more of them. <laughs> That's ni- why we have jackets full of them. <laughs> in 1990, there was an estimated 2,500,000 Canadian Oh, I feel geese. better now. Yeah. Okay. okay. So there's more white-tailed than Canadian geese. They're fine. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah, there were. Um, this is fun. What are some more? Wood duck. So we got two more. Oh, okay. Uh, all about this one. Wood CC, ducks. We're all about wood ducks, huh? 1920 is their low low point for this chart. How many do you think there? It's not a number. It's a classification. So I'm just going to tell Wait, you. Wait, what do you mean it's a classification? Oh, like it's like, endangered. Yeah. So in 1920, the wood duck was nearly extinct. It's actually not even registering a tick mark on the... The scale. Wow. What's the, so what, endangered is like under 5,000? Uh, I guess. I don't know. I made that up. In 1990, the wood duck <laughs> was classified as the most common breeding waterfowl in the eastern United States. Most common. Is that yeah. a true or false? <clears throat> no, this that's is, true. It's a true. It wasn't so, okay, a question. So they have over 3 million. <laughs> so what, like 5 million? Uh, it, it, the number's off the chart. Oh, wait, so more than a whitetail. Yeah. So more than 20 it's, million. It's or off the it chart. It just says it's the most common breeding waterfowl in the eastern, yeah, eastern United States. Gotcha. Big game animals. All game and many non game animals have increased in numbers due to the conservation of efforts of sports hunters. So that was it. The wood duck was the last one. Yeah. In laws, though, right? In laws. I guess that's conservation, too, is putting in laws in place to making sure they're not overhunted. Uh, probably, I mean, the North American wildlife conservation yeah. model and stuff. And dollars going from Pittman-Robertson and yeah. conservation Hunting groups. licenses Hunting to licenses. make sure yeah. that people... Duck stamps. But cool. that's it. I, I, like thought, it. I thought that was interesting. I did. I, I liked it a lot. That was really neat. All right, you guys ready? That's for, pretty neat. That's pretty neat. You guys ready for Creature Watch? Oh, yeah. Are you reading us your journal? Yeah. Yes, yeah. he is. Exactly. So excited. All right, guys. So Just don't read September 18th, 1984. <laughs> what happened September 18th, 1984? I don't know. It's your journal. That's true. Who knows? <laughs> you weren't born yet. I know what you did last summer. Uh, okay, so I'm bringing the story of the great dragonfish. Found in the Bermuda Triangle near the island of Nonsuk Island. What year do you guys think the first sighting of the giant dragonfish was? Wait, what island was it again? Nonsuk. 
Nonsuch? What uh, Near the Bermuda country? Triangle. Bermuda. Oh, okay. Bermuda. What year did William Beebe find it in his bathysphere dive? 1853. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely an 1800s name. William Beebe. 1870. William Beebe. You think Beebe's were named after him? Beebe. No, it's not Beebe. It's B-E-E-B-E. <laughs> yes. baby. What a fun fact. <laughs> All right. There you go. It was 1932. Oh. Yeah, it's a little more recent. Um, right. Okay, so the dragonfish resembles the barbled dragonfish, but <clears throat> when he was down They're there. They're vastly different, though. Very different. Because until this point, the largest dragonfish known was only 18 inches or 1 foot 6 inches for those of you guys who need that. But <laughs> how many centimeters? Yeah, I was nice going to say, addition. what about the metric units? Yeah. <laughs> so what, like I don't half know. a meter? That's fine. Around half a meter. Sure. So, <laughs> uh, But the two that he found, it was a pair, were about six feet long. So he had never seen anything like this. Um, they're also similar to a barracuda in their shape, but um, they have this single bioluminescent line that kind of runs down. Most dragonfish have two that run the length of them, but this one only had one. Uh, they have undershot jaws, right? So kind of like a huge overbite. And it kept it open the entire time it stared at him. It also had numerous fangs, and it had neon mucus that was dripping from the fangs. I don't know how it's dripping in the ocean, but it was. So it has two large tentacles that hang from the body. Each of them had the same kind of mucus tip on the tentacles. Uh, he was at a depth of about 2,100 feet when he found these guys. Uh, now, people from around the area and on those islands say that the creature actually poisons people with its tentacles, right? And it actually has the ability to, like, reach up onto, like, ships and stuff. And, you know, a bit of a stretch, but they say it might actually lead to disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle. Bom, bom, bom. Right? Exactly. Okay, so let me, let me clarify something, mm-hmm. get my thought process straight. What year was this discovered? 1932. And um, you said he was 2,100 feet deep. Yes. So submarine. Well, a uh, bathysphere. Bathysphere. Yeah. Okay. okay. What does that even mean? It's like a ball with a circular. Window. It's like a circular submarine. Spherical. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. And they get, can't like, like go anywhere. They just like kind of like drop it down oh. and then raise it back up. Yeah. Okay. I follow. I was thinking, that's not a unit of measure. <laughs> so he, he was one bathysphere down. Bathysphere down. <laughs> Similar that's, to 18 that, weeks. That is not something I learned in <laughs> school. <laughs> so he's essentially a sinker. Yeah. <laughs> On a fishing line. Just yeah. drop a hook underneath him. Big old sinker. Just going down. Well, it was kind of more of a floater if they no, released all the air. Down. Well, that's true. It's yeah. a glorified. Bobber no, I bet. and fly fishing. I don't know what that is. It's a strike indicator. It's a strike indicator. I feel like they probably had to use a Landon and I love that term. Glorified bobber strike indicator. So they tried to take a photo of it when they were down in the bathysphere, but it was too dark outside the window. But the flash created something and it got all mad and actually attacked the window that they were in. Well, it's 1930, so I'm assuming it had to be one of those, like, cameras that you had to pull out the lens and drape the carpet over your head <laughs> no. and hold up the flash. They had, uh, film for, they had film cameras in 1930. Did they? Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's the photographer of the group. Uh, uh, last thing. So, despite rumors 
and uh, the man-eating stories and like the weird, you know, Bermuda Triangle stuff. Scientists actually consider this to be a true species. Uh, they say it was probably an extremely rare find because people go looking for it and they can't really find it. But because it's also not like that outlandish of a fish, they're just kind of taking this guy for his word because he wasn't known to make things up. And mm. uh, so the g- giant dragonfish is reeling out there. Oh, cool. we're still talking about the giant dragonfish. Giant yeah. dragonfish. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, we were, cool. you know. Learned dis- a lot. Discussing what a bathysphere was. And oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a unit of measure. <laughs> if anybody wants to know, that's what that is. Well. <laughs> All the kids out there listening. They learned a lot today. Yeah, they, they did. did. Megan, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, hopefully uh, we get some dogs adopted for oh. you. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I have a uh, feeling Ian's going to adopt a dog. Yeah, no, Ian's going to adopt a dog. Sure. Ian. Ian. He's been talking about it for what, And like if he doesn't, years? he's going to end up with Coco the Poodle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get Coco the Poodle for him. You got one month to get a dog, Ian. Otherwise you get or Coco. else. We're going to put Coco the Poodle on your back porch. That and Coco is yet. a truffle-sniffing dog. Wait, is that real? Coco, yeah. 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 It was a story. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and listen to the old episodes. <laughs> Wait, that was like episode uh, four. Episode, uh, season, season two, we episode don't do, we 14. We don't do seasons. We, we could be in season two. I feel like it would be season two if we were actually going to do it like that. But season two will be episode 1001. Okay, so that's a oh thousand seasons. <laughs> thousand doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not like a season of the year. It's just whenever we hit a thousand, that's the new benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So, all right, Megan, thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. That was awesome. All Cliff, right. will you give us a yeehaw out? I started that. Megan, will you give us a yeehaw I, out? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me when. How loud is it going to be? Scale of 1 to 10. Oh, well, I know your ears are a little sensey, so yeah. <laughs> I'll be careful. <laughs> okay, 9.5. 9.5. Yeah, that's what you're doing. Y'all yeehaw together. You're running a 9.5. In 5. harmony. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to outshine our Who guess. wants to do like the Ray, who's the so? Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Technically, harmony, I guess you would actually have the same note, but just different ranges. Be I don't know that anybody's going to be listening to this point. Anymore. No, they don't. No. <laughs> right. No. Give right, us a yeehaw. Yeehaw. All right. no, for, cue the music. Cue the music. <laughs>